0: There's no telling how many other intelligent civilizations exist in the universe. Whether they or we can ever master the ability to travel light years, once we connect, how will we communicate? Behavioral ecologist Dr. Arik Kirschenbaum and professor of linguistics Dr. Ian Roberts, both of the University of
1: Cambridge, have been pondering that exact question. Our ancestors didn't have a language, and then at some point they did. And what was that transition like? What was that process like? And Could we maybe even suggest that that similar processes, or at least similar constraints, are operating on other worlds?
2: And that leads very naturally to thinking about extraterrestrial creatures, if, if they exist, because if they have any kind of advanced civilization, they can presumably communicate sophisticated ideas, and so they probably have something that one would want to call a language probably. And so then the question is, what kind of language would it be? How similar or how different to human language?
0: They're here to talk about communicating with aliens. I'm Steve Fisher, and this is Life Slices. Let's start with a a relatively
1: easy question. Who is Arik Kirschenbaum? I'm a zoologist, so I work with animals in the wild mostly, and I work on animal communication. So I look at wolf howls and dolphin whistles and the songs of gibbons, and I look to see what kind of information they might be using, why they're communicating the way that they do, and how we could use that information also for conservation purposes.
0: I think Songs of Gibbons would be a great title for an album. It probably is already.
2: And who is Ian Roberts? I'm a linguist. I'm a professor of linguistics here in Cambridge. Uh, my interest is mainly in linguistic theory, in particular grammatical theory. And one of the questions that we ask in that field is what a possible language or grammar could be like. And that leads very naturally to thinking about extraterrestrial creatures, if, if they exist, because if they have any kind of advanced civilization, they can presumably communicate sophisticated ideas. And so they probably have something that will would want to call a language, probably. And so then the question is, what kind of language would it be? How similar or how different to human language? So you were both recently quoted in a BBC
0: article that I read on, if we met extraterrestrials, could we talk to them? What do you
2: think, Ian? I think talk has to be taken very loosely indeed here. The possibility that they would have something akin to speech is, well, very, very hard to assess, but it's not too likely. The important thing to bear in mind about language is that it it isn't just speech. We sort of naturally tend to equate it because nearly all human languages are spoken languages. But of course, we can write language, which is a very different medium, relying on vision rather than hearing. We can also use sign language. And even things like whistling and drumming are used in certain parts of the world. The very important point is that the actual nature of language itself seems to be to a certain to a very large degree independent of the medium that carries it that seems to be true of human language and again there's no reason to think that that wouldn't be the case for any kind of language extraterrestrials may have so they may have language but not speech the way that the medium that they that they might use to carry their language well that could, that's anybody's guess it could be all kinds of things I think the question, can we, could we get our language across to them? Could we convey our thoughts to them by some means? I think the answer is probably yes. But talk, hmm, don't take it too literally. (laughs) Okay, so I'm reminded of the film The Day the Earth Stood
0: Still the original, not the remake. Michael Rennie plays the alien Klaatu and speaks perfect English, claiming that they've been observing us for years. Arik, what do you think's
1: the likelihood of that? I think the likelihood of us encountering such a civilization with which we could communicate is pretty small, just because of the the, the vast size of, of, of space and the distance between the stars. But that doesn't make it any less of an interesting exercise to perform this exercise that 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 we're talking about now. And and Ian, good friend of mine with whom I don't disagree very often, um, he, he's taking a top-down approach, looking at what we know about language, but all we know about language from human language, and trying to work backwards to see what language might be like. I, as a zoologist, take a bottom-up approach and look at the evolutionary side of it and ask... How might language have evolved? Because our ancestors didn't have a language, and then at some point they did. And what was that transition like? What was that process like? And could we maybe even suggest that, that similar processes or at least similar constraints are operating on, on other worlds? So, for instance, Ian talks about speech being unlikely. Well, I think speech is very likely on a planet with a decently thick atmosphere where sound travels well. You would expect creatures to communicate through, through through the medium that is that is appropriate for them. So, I think that there's quite a lot we can say about what organisms on another planet might use to communicate and what might or might not end up evolving into a language. Would it be similar to to similar enough to our human languages that they could Learn them merely by observing us. That's a much harder question. And given how difficult I find it to understand what animals on Earth are saying, I think we can assume that it's going to be extremely difficult to translate any kind of non-terrestrial language in, in, into one that we understand.
0: What if they came down with a cell phone app, like like a uh, their own version of Babel? So that we could immediately know what they were thinking. The BBC posed an interesting question. It said, Could the ways animals communicate with one another teach us anything about extraterrestrial communication? Ian, what do you think of
2: that? Well, I think this is really a question very much more for Eric than for me, and I'm sure that he'll want to chip in. And this may be an area, actually, where one of those rare cases where we're not in full agreement. I'm not sure. It seems that. From what we know, and it is true that there's a lot we don't know about animal communication, but it seems that human languages are qualitatively different from animal communication systems in a number of respects. Above all, in the sense that they're very finely structured and open-ended, that is, you can basically, with human languages, express almost any possible thought. So human languages have this open-ended capacity, open-ended nature. It's not so clear that animal communications have this. It used to be thought they absolutely did not. I think that, to be honest, that was a bit too perhaps too simplistic of you. And again, I'm sure Eric may have something to say here. It's not so clear that they do. So I think that is, I think just the degree of complexity and the degree of expressive power of human languages makes them different to animal communication systems. Of course, it doesn't necessarily follow from that that we can't learn anything about other types of communication system from looking at animal communication systems. I think we certainly can and it is therefore highly relevant to this question of what kinds of language-like communication systems extraterrestrials might have.
1: Eric, would you like to respond to that? I actually agree with a lot of what Ian said. It is true that as far as we understand there are no animals on Earth, except for humans, who have a language, as, as Ian has described it, open-ended and flexible enough to express any concept. However, we do see that there are animals that can learn human language to a greater or lesser extent. So uh, grey parrots, for instance, are, are probably the best example. But other, other animals can pick up a remarkable amount of, of human language. So that tells us something about the way their brain works. Whatever it is that is preventing them from speaking in a language, it doesn't seem to be connected to their cognitive abilities. This is not an easy thing to understand, but it does, it does help us to place this question of what might an alien language be like in a slightly more tractable context, because we can look at a really large diversity of life on earth and ask, well, how do they communicate? Could this, given the right cognitive apparatus and and the right selective pressures. Could this form a language? And here is one place where I I think I do disagree with with Ian, which is that there's a wide variety of modes of communication amongst animals. And some are very, very different from the way that we speak. We speak in words and sentences. We speak in discrete sounds. There are dolphins that don't use discrete sounds. Their vocalizations vary almost continuously there are organisms that communicate using complex visual patterns so so cuttlefish for instance can generate very complex visual patterns on their skin could this ever become a language could there be a dolphin language could there be a, a sort of skin color language traditional thought would be no uh, but I think we do need to to broaden our view a little bit and think. Well, maybe on another planet, something like that might be possible.
0: The film Close Encounters. You, you guys have a scientific background. I have a, a, a showbiz background, so <laughs> I, I always go back to films. But in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, they suggested that hand signals would be the most effective tool for the first meeting.
2: How do you feel about that? Let's go with Ian first. Well, assuming the aliens have hands, then yes, I think that that. Could work. There are genuine languages. It's perhaps a point worth emphasizing that Tim, the languages used all around the world by deaf communities, which we call sign languages, are real languages. So for example, American sign language is not English comm- communicated through another medium. It is in fact a language in its own right. But it is a genuine language. It has all the features of human spoken languages, including most importantly, it's o- this open ended discrete nature that we've been talking about in relation to humans systems. So sign language is certainly, or signing, is certainly a very valid medium for language. Whether that would be the best way of communicating on, in the case of first contact is anybody's guess. As I say, if the aliens have hands, sure. But then if they have vocal cords and a vocal tract similar to ours, then why not try talking? So it really depends.
0: One of the things that always bothered me in close encounters was they came up with these hand signals, but just because somebody could copy the hand signals doesn't mean there's any meaning attached to it.
1: Correct. Well, one of the things that's that's really interesting about hand signals is that our closest relatives, chimpanzees, do use gestural communication an awful lot. Now they don't have a language. It's not an open-ended language. It's not like American Sign Language. But they they're probably they're probably the closest example that we have to a, a signed language in non humans. And the fact that they have that that cognitive ability to watch another animal give a particular gesture and to make a reasoned and reasonable inference about what the state of mind of that animal might be. Is it angry with me? Is it trying to share food with me engage me in some kind of cooperative task? This is a very, very strong indicator that signing gestures could be the basis of a really productive, useful communication system in, in a social animal. And perhaps perhaps our common ancestor with chimpanzees six million years ago did something similar. And and, and perhaps that, that, that was really the start of our journey towards, towards language. And the other thing about close encounters, of course, is that the other way that they communicated in close encounters was with the musical tone. And there that you really do see one of these, these features that, that we're used to in human language of discrete and very, very different signals. So there's one, we have a word that has perhaps a a variety of meanings but it is clearly distinguished from from other words and and you get a similar sort of thing with with the those those musical sequences that um, that were used in in that movie
0: all i know is after the first time i saw close encounters it was in i was living in new york city in an 11th floor apartment and i would sit on the windowsill looking up at the sky doing the music and the hand signals (laughs) and and nobody ever came to talk to me i was very upset about that (laughs) to your knowledge are there There are sanctioned programs universally around the world that are working on communicating on first contact.
2: I'm not sure exactly what you mean by sanctioned programs, but an organization that I'm involved with, METI, Messaging Extraterrestrial Intelligence, sets itself exactly that goal, basically trying to construct a signal to beam out to a planet that we think might have the right habitable features, such as liquid water, and an atmosphere in nearby star systems. Nearby, of course, means still incredibly far away, but relatively nearby. So that's the only case that I'm actually aware of.
1: There are a number of groups, either more established or more more perhaps ad hoc, that are interested in this subject. And one of the things, although it's quite difficult to send a message in, into space, a radio message, you do need a large antenna and a lot of energy and things like that. But a lot of people are looking at artefacts to place on probes, for instance, that, that might be sent... To 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 other planets or out of the solar system, like the the Voyager and Pioneer probes, which carried information that was not really expected to be picked up by any alien civilization, but merely the act of thinking about how would we send a message? What would we send? What would we say? In such a message. Um, it, it's a really constructive and productive exercise. Um, one of the projects I'm involved in is looking at using video to convey information to an extraterrestrial because if you look at the, the golden record, the, uh, the, the Voyager golden record contained a lot of information that was lacking in context. If you were an alien and and you saw a picture of I, I don't know um, two parents holding a baby, you, you would have no way of understanding what that meant. So finding ways of making a universally understood message this is a, this is a non trivial, a very very challenging problem, and and we think that that that, that video is 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 one of the. One of the most effective ways to do that. I think the
0: first thing we would want to tell them is, please don't judge us by the news. Well, they will, of course. <laughs> yes, I mean, any intelligent species looking down on Earth and observing us would say, "Well, we're not going there."
1: Well, the the first. So, if you remember Carl Sagan's novel Contact, he made the point that the first high power radio or the first high power electromagnetic broadcast from Earth was from the the Olympic Games in Berlin in 1936, and if there are aliens monitoring our our communications. That's the first thing that they will will, will receive. But I I would like to think that any civilization that is Efficiently advanced to receive these messages and understand these messages would also understand that we're probably progressing along a trajectory similar to one they probably progressed along with conflict and, and rapid technological advances leading to very dangerous and, and, and very destructive tendencies. And hopefully they got over it and hopefully they'll believe that we will as well.
0: Assuming they don't speak any earthly language or anything similar, how long would it take to develop a language system between two cultures? Ian, I'll I'll go with you on that. You
2: mean how long would it take to basically decode? Right. uh, Yeah,
0: yeah. uh, and and actually to be able to communicate on a regular
2: word-to-word basis. The decoding problem, once we understood the nature of the medium, That their language was being conveyed in, I don't think it would be too difficult to to get to the basic structure of it. Whether we could replicate the medium is another question depending on the nature of the medium, or whether we would need to. And that would depend partly on their technology and their intelligence. So those those are difficult questions to answer. If you just mean how long in terms of how long does it take a message to get there and get back, well, if there are, let's say, the, the closest star system to ours is Pro, is Proxima Centauri, which is four light years Centauri, which is four light years away. That means four light years for the message to get there, and four light years for it to get back. So if we say hi and they say hi, you've got to wait eight years. And the people who are talking could. Because one or the other could be gone by then. Well, there is, this is actually a, a significant constraint. There's a very famous equation that was, that the astronomer Drake put forward in, in 1960 or 61 in one of the very earliest discussions of the possibility of communicating with alien, with alien civilizations. It's called the Drake equation. It has a number of variables, many of which we now have a reasonably good idea of the value of. I won't go through them all. In fact, I don't think I could remember them all off the top of my head. The one that we really don't know the answer to is how long does a technological civilization last because we only know one technological civilization and we are a young civilization as a technological civilization if you define technology perhaps the relevant criterion here would be the the use of radio we've had it for about 100 years which is a very short time obviously in cosmic terms how long are we going to last anybody's guess what um, time is it yeah <laughs> if other civilizations are broadly similar to ours, there is quite a likelihood that there have been a number of technological civilizations in the universe which have destroyed themselves. And so or which in the time it will take for any message to reach them from us will destroy themselves. And of course we could send a message to Proxima Centauri and in eight years time by the time the message comes back, God forbid, we might have destroyed ourselves. So this is a major imponderable actually. It's quite likely, what Eric hinted at just now, I think is likely that that civilizations actually overcome The hurdle of possible self-destruction when they reach a certain level of sophistication, which we we obviously haven't reached yet, but that may only be a handful of civilizations. It may only be one in a hundred that actually manages that. So there could be unimaginably advanced civilizations out there, but they could be unimaginably far away. Those technological
0: civilizations that have destroyed themselves can that be tied to AI?
2: Well, or nuclear nuclear weapons, or
0: those, or an AI who has their finger on the button.
2: Yeah, yeah, but. This, this does relate to two things which any advanced civilization is very likely to know about, namely the fundamental structure of matter, which will give you nuclear fission, and the
1: basic structure of information, which will give you computers and therefore AI. When it comes to decoding an alien language, I think if we were to receive a message, just an a, an isolated message, we would have very little chance of, of understanding what it meant, of course, because even if we could decode it in some way mathematically, we still wouldn't know what any of the proper nouns are. You know, they have a word for dog, which is the, the Proxima Centauri dog, and we've no idea what, what that is. But if you take the scenario of the movie Arrival, for instance, where there's actually direct contact and and the possibility of two individuals communicating with, with each other, I think it would take very, very little time to decode that language. Because remember, these are going to be essentially alien scientists, who come to Earth. And they will be talking to Earth scientists, and we all want to communicate with each other and solve the problem of of this common language. I don't think that would take long. Where it gets really interesting is if the alien technological civilization is an AI civilization. Now, many people have proposed that intelligent technological life in the universe will be essentially robots. Now, if that's the case, then two big questions come to mind one is do they care about biological life forms perhaps they won't be interested even in talking to us and then the other thing when it comes to language is that computers computer communication is in general highly highly optimized so if you look at the information stream that is sent from your phone to the internet it's it's impossible to decode it unless you know the protocol and that is done intentionally so that the, the transfer of information could be as efficient as possible, compressed and efficient. Natural languages didn't, aren't like that because they evolved by natural selection in the real world and they evolved under the constraints of the real world, never needing that highly compressed, highly un, highly difficult to decode nature. So if we come across an alien civilization of AIs, their communication might be utterly impenetrable to us, simply look like random noise because it's, it's highly compressed and highly optimised. That's kind of scary.
0: Ian, I'm going to start with you, but I want Arik's take on this too. What is
2: xenolinguistics? Oh, it's just the the branch of linguistics which studies the languages of intelligent extraterrestrials, meaning it's a branch of linguistics which has no data at all at present (laughs) because we don't know even if intelligent extraterrestrials exist, although I personally think it's likely. But one can nonetheless study this from a theoretical point of view, and think about what would an alien grammar or language have to be like in order to, let's say, permit the civilization to function in such a way that they could build their own spaceships. So uh, you need a a lot of maths and a lot of physics, and you need a bunch of individuals communicating. It's not going to be one individual who, any more than it was on Earth, who builds an Apollo spaceship or a Starship Enterprise. So the, what would uh, the structure of such a language have to be like in order for that to be possible? That's a question we can ask and try to answer.
0: Eric, it's also the title of a book that you guys were involved with. It, would the average person be able to read that book and
1: understand it? I think the average person would be disappointed. Uh, because as Ian says, this is all very theoretical and we're not telling anyone what alien language is like or what it's going to be like. All we can really do is put some sort of constraints on what a technological, what, what the language of a technological species would be. And even that is is extremely difficult to do. So as, as Ian said, a civilization that can build a spaceship or a radio telescope is our starting point, because if they can't, we're almost... It's almost impossible we will ever speak to them unless we find some way to go to another planet, which is very unlikely. And what does it mean that a creature can build a spaceship? Well, as Ian said, they've got to be able to cooperate, pass me the screwdriver, but they also need to have a lot of very concrete concepts. So if you remember the wonderful episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, Darmok, I don't know if you remember that one, where they encounter a species that communicates only in metaphor and... Obviously, this is impossible for them to, to translate initially. You've got to ask the question, could a species that, that communicates only in metaphor really build a spaceship? Well, let's, let's put a, a 50 ohm resistor here. Well, it's a, it, this is a, a relatively low resistance. So someone else puts a 30 ohm resistor in and, and, and then the machine doesn't work. There's a lot of, co- of physical constraints in the universe that, that require precise language. And that would be an example of, of, of where I think we can we can say something about about, um, about what technological alien life would be like. Not that I'm having a go at the next generation, which I think is fantastic. <laughs> Your
0: co-author, Noam Chomsky, hypothesized about a universal grammar. Who
2: wants to take that on and explain that? Well, perhaps I should do that. Chomsky's notion of universal grammar, as was once pointed out to him, actually, should perhaps be really called terrestrial grammar because it's what he believes to be the structure that is common to all human languages and all possible human languages, which is basically part, he has suggested that it's part of the human genetic endowment, which is what makes it possible for human children to learn the language of their environment so quickly and seemingly with very little effort. That's the essence of universal grammar in Chomsky's sense. However, he has in recent years not been averse to extending this to the idea that some of the properties of human universal grammar would have to be universal in the broader sense because they would have to be necessary properties of any kind of grammatical system which is able to facilitate intelligence such that a technological civilization could develop. We have seen instances of
0: this throughout our history of, say, European explorers meeting indigenous people and figuring out ways to
1: communicate with them. How do we even start to build that linguistic bridge so let me answer this from the zoologist perspective and then ian will give a more relevant answer from the linguist perspective one thing that we can't do is talk to animals now there are people who are involved in seti and and involved in meti and who, who would say well if we can't talk to animals how can we possibly talk to aliens uh, first let's try and, and and understand animals then we can understand aliens and, and i think that's misguided because we do know we're almost positive that there are, there are no animals apart from humans that have a language like ours as, as Ian has defined it. However, there is a, an element here that when you encounter a organism that appears to be communicating, the first thing you have to ask yourself before you ask what they're saying, you say, are they communicating? Are they trying to give you information? And that is something that we can use our experience of, of animals on earth to do so we can we can look at the some of the statistical properties of animal communication and say is this likely to be something that has information in it is this likely to be just a display that that has very little information in it, and that's really the first step in tackling the, the question of an of a completely unknown language: is does it have information, or is it just is it just random? And and that we can learn something from looking at animals on Earth.
0: I was looking at my dog earlier today and trying to teach her to say daddy or or papa or something like that, and she just stared at me as if she was saying. I don't know what
1: that is, but you're an idiot. I think I can communicate with my dog. So just, just to make one thing absolutely clear, all animals communicate. All animals communicate. Everyone from the slug to the dog. So so communication is not the question here. They certainly communicate. Language is the question.
0: Where can people buy your book? The Xenolinguistics one? Yes. On Amazon. do you have other books that you would like to
1: pitch here so i have a a book i published a couple years ago called the zoologist's guide to the galaxy which talks about comparisons that we can make using evolutionary theory between life on earth and life on other planets and i have another book coming out next year in 2024 why why animals talk which is about the nature of animal communication and the evolution of human language
0: We might have to come back to you when that book comes out. Ian, how about you?
2: Well, I I, I have a book. I mean, I have several technical linguistics books, but those are not really aimed at a general audience. But I do have a book which is a general introduction to linguistics, that is to terrestrial languages, as, as spoken by humans, called The Wonders of Language. And that's published by Cambridge University Press. It was published in 2017, actually. And that is an attempt to introduce my subject to a lay audience. Is there a question that either of you would like to answer that I haven't asked. There's an issue that sometimes is raised and was in most recent, well, at least rather famously raised by Stephen Hawking some time ago. And that is really an argument against trying to do something like what METI is attempting to do. Namely, we shouldn't draw attention to ourselves. The argument goes, if there are alien civilizations out there, the odds are that they're much more technologically advanced than we are because we are very young in technological terms. And we have no idea how good their intentions towards us might be. Therefore, we should not draw attention to ourselves because they might come here and eat us, let's say, or just wipe us out or whatever. My response to that, and this is a view held by various others, and I think you agree with me on this, Eric, is if they're that advanced, they know we're here anyway because they picked up our radio signals. And if they don't like us, they might be on their way and there's nothing we can do. And Meti is not going to make any difference. And if they do like us, they might either ignore us or get in touch.
1: I agree that that, that I, I don't approve of the of of the attitude that, that that Stephen Hawking had had proposed for the reasons that Ian has explained. The cat's already out of the bag, but a couple other reasons. As we said, technological civilizations tend to destroy themselves. So if this civilization is really so advanced, perhaps they've moved beyond the destructive phase certainly they've moved beyond the resource hungry age they're not coming here to eat us if they could, if they have the energy to travel between the stars they have the energy to build a replicator that makes their own food they're not coming here to eat us 100% but but perhaps the best reason is that we're curious about the universe we're scientists we're we're interested people are we going to bury ourselves on our planet and say no no i don't want to know what's out there is that Really how humans want to want to continue?
0: I don't think so. I would yeah. love to know what's out there. If there were some kind of exploration to Mars or some other planet and they were just looking for lay people to come along, I'd, I'd volunteer in a second. I might change my mind once I was on top of that rocket. But to start, I would be very excited about it. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for participating. I really, it, this has been fascinating. I didn't even get to some of the questions I had because I think I could talk to you all day. But my day's just starting and yours is ending. I'm sure you don't want to talk all day. So thank you very much. And maybe we can do it again sometime. Thank sure, you. that would be great. Fun. Thank
2: you very much. Thanks.
0: My thanks to Aura Kirschenbaum and Ian Roberts for sharing their knowledge and wisdom on life slices. It's not a question of if we will make contact with other intelligent beings in the universe, but when. We can only hope our brightest minds and thinkers will figure out a way to communicate before then. In the meantime, look to the skies and don't be afraid to hum. It might just work.
1: If you liked this program, please like Life Slices on social media and subscribe wherever you find find podcasts. Life Slices is produced by Beatnik Ravens Productions, all rights reserved. Music courtesy of Fesley and Studios.